You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. My son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Lacrosse Boots. So here's what Lacrosse has recently done. They've taken their 100 plus years of experience to create a new line of lace-up hunting boots called the Navigator Series. Now the Navigator Series comes in two options, the Atlas for men and the Windrose for both men and women. Now if you want to find out more about their high-quality awesome boots, you need to go to lacrossefootwear.com. All right, everybody, Nine Finger Chronicles podcast time brought to you by Vortex Optics. We got a good one today. This is a, another BS session, and we're going to be talking with Bob Miller from Michigan, and we get into a little bit of everything today. We talk about the deer herd in Michigan. We talk about why he decided to start hunting outside of Michigan uh, in Kentucky nine years ago. We talk about uh, 700 acres that he guides on uh, sometimes. We talk about his trips to Iowa. We just talk a little bit about everything. It's a really good BS session. Uh, I love these because it's not necessarily just one topic. This is a conversation between two hunters and uh, me and Bob just kind of jump off the deep end in this episode and uh, hopefully you guys enjoy it. I know I do. I love, I mean, I love, that's why I do this. I absolutely love talking to other hunters throughout uh, the United States. And hell, we've even interviewed some people from Canada. We've interviewed some people from, uh, where where was he? London or England, uh, that one too. So, you know, we're getting a good representation of the entire United States on the Sportsman's Nation as a whole, right? Uh, but especially on this podcast too. So I'm jacked about that. Uh, before we get started though, prime bows, man, I am absolutely loving my prime bow, man. I've been shooting it more and more and more and more. And it's great because when, as, as a bow hunter, one thing that I really like is there's all these little things that work with one another to make a bow shoot an arrow right you have your bow you have the string that has to roll around this cam and you know obviously i'm no engineer so i'm probably saying it wrong but then that has to shoot an arrow that has a tip on it down range and hit a target all these things right and when you're confident about your gear and it works so well that you don't even you're not even thinking about it uh that's what makes for a really good bow in my opinion right there's i mean there's no hand shock it's very quiet uh the draw is smooth and it doesn't have one of those valleys that just goes 
back into it. And I know that sound isn't a description, but I think we've all been there where it's like a real hard valley. I'm not a fan of those real hard valleys. Uh, this is just a smooth draw from start to finish. And uh, if you guys haven't, you know, been considering Prime on your bow purchase, yeah, on your bow purchases, I, I really think you need to. It's a very good quality bow. So uh, if you're ever near a Prime dealership or you're at a sporting show that has Prime bows, man, do yourself a favor and go and you know just shoot one. And I think you guys will be pleasantly surprised. So PrimeArchery.com, check them out. Check out all their, uh, you know, all the the different bows that these guys manufacture. So check them out. And make sure you're subscribing to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast or the Sportsman's Nation Whitetail uh, feed as well. Podcast. I mean, you just go to iTunes. You can search Nine Finger Chronicles or you can search Sportsman's Nation, S P O R T S M E N S, Sportsman's Nation. And uh, man, just all this content's going to. Uh, pop up wherever you download your podcast right so we're everywhere and don't you know don't hesitate stopping by the website too, sportsmansnation.com and uh, there's a ton of videos there we have a youtube channel uh as well sportsman's nation everything so uh do yourself a favor check it out all right we've talked too much let's get into to today's bs session with bob miller of michigan all right, right now I'm on the phone with Mr. Bob Miller. What's up, man? What's going on, dude? The man, the myth, the legend himself, Dan Johnson. Yeah, What's right. going on? I'm just a dude who stuck his hand into a fan. That's just, I'm I'm just a big dipshit, really, in all honesty. <laughs> Is that that's how that happened? Yeah, I was yeah. always wondering about that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's see. You're from Kentucky, right? No, I'm from Michigan. I Michigan. guide down in Kentucky. Oh, you guide? Yep, okay, yep. all right. So you're from Michigan. Yep. Uh, see, I don't even know. Like, People send me emails and they're like, hey, Dan, I got this huge story. And I, I sometimes I read them, sometimes I don't. And obviously with yours, I didn't read it. And I said, cool, let's do it. And uh, <laughs> <No problem. laughs> so we're going we're gonna to find out everything today. But I got I to gotta share a little story with you before, uh, but before we get into the, the meat and potatoes of the episode. So... Do you, have, do you have any kids? I do. I got a, a four-year-old, uh, Claire, and then uh, my son, he's going to turn one uh, next week, the 31st. Nice. Nice. Congrats, man. Uh, yeah. So today is my daughter's first day of first grade, right? Uh, they start on a Friday for some reason. Don't know why. So myself and uh, the neighbors and all their kids were waiting at the bus stop. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling the feels, you know, of, uh, you know, you got this little girl who you can remember when she was born and then, uh, you know, she's growing up so fast and she gets on the bus and whatever. And I look out of the corner of my eye and there's my youngest son with only one shoe on and he has another shoe that he's holding in his hand. And I'm, I, I look at his eyes and then I look where his eyes are going and where he's heading. It's to the, the uh, street drain. And I say, I, I just yell as loud as I can, no, because typically if he's going to do something <laughs> stupid, it shocks him and he stops. But he just kept right on going. And it was one of those things that, you know, like if he was closer, maybe I could have lunged at him to try to stop it. But 
or you know like sometimes a kid will fall down and you can maybe catch him but it was too far away so you just had to sit there and watch it unfold and he walks right over to the drain and it's almost like he was cocky and he looked at me and he just like nonchalantly dropped the shoe right in the drain and I was just like you son of a bitch <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I I kind of know that feeling not with the drains, but uh, my son we're we're weaning him off uh, bottles right now, and sometimes he'll look at me when he gets upset and he'll clap his hands and look with the bottle and just launch right across the room, and there goes the milk all over the wall. So, <laughs> I I know the feeling, dude. Yeah. That's, uh, uh, kids, there's something yeah. else, man. Yeah, this. Yeah, uh, I'm telling you, they're, they're they're great though. Yeah, has your see your daughter is four? You said. Yep. Yep. She's four. Um, yeah, she's my little sidekick though, dude. She, uh, last year when she was three, I took, well, I've been involved in her obviously in the outdoors forever, right. you know, and, uh, right. I think she knew every animal before she knew her ABCs and one, two, three. So that's awesome. Um, last year, last year she, uh, she went deer hunting with me for the first time, just watched me a couple of times and went turkey hunting in the spring with me. And she just, she loves it, man. So. Yeah. Yeah. This is my daughter really didn't understand what being quiet and being still meant until this year you know I, I i described it in a different way or maybe she was getting old enough now to where she could comprehend uh you know hey if you, you can come turkey hunting with me but you got to sit still so this year i'm going to get her up in a tree stand for maybe some doe hunts and uh i'm going to get her uh tag along during turkey season uh this upcoming spring i think she's old enough now to finally get it she's still kind of tiny so i don't know if i'm going to be able to get you know get a gun in her hands quite yet but uh man i'm just i'm really jacked it and but here's the question though is your four-year-old does she have any like diva moments oh yeah oh yeah she's um she's split personality when she was 18 <laughs> months we started putting her in, in in dance so like she'll go out there and she'll she um last year my sister she shot a couple eight points and uh so she i took her right out there to follow the blood trail and she's into that but then the next thing there's a bug and she's screaming you know so oh that's crazy she's uh yeah yeah but yeah she's a she's a princess yeah she's a hunter so yeah yeah i don't know um i don't know if she's to that age yet but my daughter started doing this thing that like the 20 year old girls do where she will put her hand on her hip and kind of pop her hip out and give give some kind of i don't know i just call them the duck lips like the pouty pouty (laughs) lips i'm like who taught you that where are you getting this from because i know my mom uh her mom didn't teach her how to do that i didn't teach her how to do that so she's learning it probably from the ipad and i'm just like you're growing up too fast my gr- my grandpa always used to say put a rock on your head quit them you know to keep them from growing so fast but uh, it's inevitable i just i gotta adapt absolutely man absolutely uh i'll tell you something real quick when she was when she was about she was about 18 and 19 months so a year and a half almost two years old and i just got back from canada and she was just learning how to talk and uh She's seen the black brass shot, you know, and I uh, shot this, this big, it was a 400 pounder. And uh, we're in Myers walking around the sporting goods section, section there. And uh, this, this little girl comes up and, or this older lady, excuse me. And, hey, you know, your daughter's so cute, et cetera, et cetera. And she's like looking at her and she looks at this lady and I said, tell her, thank you. And she says, she looks at her and says, uh, my dad shot giant black bear, right? <laughs> and my, mind you, she can barely, you know I mean? She's just talking. And I'm like, what did you just say? And the lady looks at me and she said it again. I'm like, yeah, she just said that. So I was just like, wow. I was like, kid, you are, I, I just corrupted you. you know? but right. It was awesome. It's, but, it's kind of funny. It was actually yesterday and I don't have a ton of deer on my wall, you know, and compared to some of, you know, compared to everybody else in Iowa, my wall's not impressive at all. And 
my dad, my daughter is standing at the top of the stairs and she's looking to where I have all my deer hung. And she looks at me and she goes, dad, you're a really good deer hunter. And I just, like, <laughs> that right there is like, my wife doesn't ever say shit like that to me. You know, no one ever says shit like that, but my daughter says that to me and I'm just like, Oh yeah, I am. I'm a, yeah. of course, you know, I'm, I'm the kind of guys like you're darn right. Your dad's a great deer hunter, Ava, you know, That's not humble right. at all. Just like, you know, she, so hopefully when she goes to school today and she, she talks to her friends, like, what does your dad do? Oh, he talks into a microphone and he kills a lot of deer. That's what I wanted to say. So, absolutely. But this isn't yeah. a, this isn't yeah. a parenting, <laughs> uh, a parenting <laughs> right, podcast. Absolutely. We gotta we gotta start talking about uh, about deer hunting. So why don't you just kind of walk us through uh, where do you live and what do you do for a living? All right. So obviously I'm from Mid Michigan. So basically. Um, you know, do the old mitten on your hand, put your left hand up, you know, make it look like a mitten and where your the bottom of your thumb is, the very bottom part, that's Bay City. Um, so I'm at its mouth of the Saginaw River, um, Saginaw Bay. I got some of the best walleye fishing around here if you're fishing. Um, but that's where I live. Um, 33, I work for a local road commission over here. Um, it's great, man. I, I run a tile jet, so I play in the mud all day. Um, yeah. Sometimes it's fun, sometimes it's not um, I do that. And then, uh, I also have a small business with my father-in-law. We got a little mini excavator and we do some stuff like that. So, uh, anything excavation and then come fall time, I'm a part-time guy down in Kentucky for, um, uh, we called yesterday outdoors down there, a little family owned deal. So, oh, nice. Yeah. That's kind of, that's kind of me in a nutshell. So, so you work as long as the weather cooperates. And then once it starts to get f- frozen, uh, you go hop and do some other things. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, pretty much. I mean, the truck I run, it runs 365, but, uh, you know, wintertime I'm plowing snow all day. So there's a, there's a lot of times I'm in a plow truck for 14, 15 hours at a time and go home gotcha. and then you're right back at it, depending on a storm. So, yeah, yeah. but, uh, any, anything, anything except pretty much laying asphalt. I mean, we, we do everything from the ditch into the, you know, drainage of roads and yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, road commissions. So yeah, absolutely. You know? It's kind of funny. I have a friend who uh, works in Wisconsin and he is, he's single. He's chosen to be single his whole life. Um, and he works, let's see, come probably late March up in, working construction, depending on, you know, when it warms and when it freezes and whatnot. So he works every day from like April, May, June, July, August, September. And then around mid-October, they lay him off and he collects unemployment from, because there's no, you can't really work right in, you can't really work outdoor construction. You know, he does a lot of, uh, roads like roads, uh, construction and doing all that stuff in the winter when there's snow. And so then he transfers to hunt mode and the dude just hunts all of October, all of November, all of December, then come January and February, March, he turns into a shed hunter and that's just what he does. And then he goes back and he works like 80 hours a week, uh, for the rest of the, you know, for the rest of the year. So I I always thought, I wonder, you know, a lot of guys would say, Oh man, I would love to do that. But 80 hours a week plus every single week for like, I don't know, 25, 30 weeks, could you really do that? That would suck. Yeah. Well, being being single, I mean, yeah. yeah, but I mean, I did that before I went to the road commission. I kind of, I worked in the construction field, um, building materials. And I mean, I worked 70, 75 hours uh, yeah. for pretty much the first year when my daughter was born. I'd never seen her. So 
I mean, it's being single, you can do it, but once you have a family, you know, it's priorities change and you know yeah. what, but I mean, what, how often be laid off, you know, November, December. You know? Right. Oh, yeah. Right. I think you kind of just fell into the lifestyle and was like, dude, I'm, I'm just going to live this life because it's awesome. <laughs> you know, for him, it's awesome. I, uh, when I was down in Alabama, I worked, I think it was 121, 120 or 121 days in a row, 12 hour days. And, uh, man that that job sucked uh, and i mean just like 12 <laughs> hour days and just I, I like i'm probably 230 227 pounds right now uh i was down to like 185 pounds when i was working that job damn. and uh damn but also i had no kids back then so you could and uh is what it is but uh yeah so michigan right? This is kind of born and raised, cut your teeth on hunting up there. Absolutely. Uh, started out hunting state land, you know, typical. Um, my dad's best friend, he had a little cabin up North a couple hours away. So did the old state land thing for quite a while. And then, um, uh, got hooked up on some private, you know, permission, but on private and down here in Saginaw County, which basically Saginaw County and South is, is where the big deer do uh, come from, you know, all farm fed, kind of like Iowa basically. Right. Um, so once I started doing that, um, pretty much the state land buck was a buck. It didn't matter if it was a spike or four point, what it was. I mean, you shot it, you had to. Um, but then once I come down here, that's when I started cutting my teeth on, well, you know, I'll do the eight points. Then we're going to go to 110 inch and bigger. Then we're going to try to go to 115 inch and bigger. And, but I mean, it, it made me who I, who I am, you know, I mean, I, uh, I mean, was fortunate. I, I was killing deer every year, you know, and that's awesome. sure they may not have been one twenties, one thirties, but when you're killing some of the bigger deer in the area, you know, we have two bucks, we're two bucks state. So when you're doing it year after year after year, you know, you kind of, you don't get a name for yourself, but people start to, you know, man, this guy can kill some deer, you know, and that's just kind of how Michigan is. Yeah. Know? Yeah. So, so uh, I got, I got two questions about Michigan real quick. And it's something that I've been inquiring about a long time. I understand that Michigan's a huge hunter state. Um, is there a flood of people who go up from like from the South and they go up to the UP or they go up to Northern Michigan for the gun season, uh, to, to do Mm -hmm. like hunt camps or is that kind of equally distributed throughout the entire state? No, back in the day, it used to be, um, more or less people from Ohio. Um, would come up, especially if they're on the border. I mean, and I would too, you're, you're, you know, you're double dipping Ohio and Michigan, but the UP has kind of went down. Uh, the wolf population is just horrible That's up right. there. And they had a one, one year they did a season, like a hundred wolves and that was it. And now they're back in protection again. And they're just, just devastating the deer herd on top of that. And last, last winter, I mean, I think they had freaking eight feet of snow up there, you know, up until like April, I mean, stop yeah. signs were covered. So, um, no, no, not anymore. I mean, some people may go to, you know, the Jackson, Ionia, and, and things like that down there. But, uh, no, nobody comes up here and, and north anymore. Everybody goes south. Gotcha. You know, gotcha. So, Just because there's uh, a, a higher population in the south, southern part of the state? Oh, yeah, bigger deer. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And, you know, trying to lease land anymore. I mean, there's farms around here go for 50 bucks an acre. I mean, it's just unheard Jesus. of. It's just to try to, yeah, to try to find land in Michigan, give up. That's why everybody goes out. But back to your hunter numbers, you know. 20 years ago in 96, 98, it was, there was like almost 800,000 deer hunters would go out for rifle, you know, opening day rifle. And, uh, last year, the year before was like 550,000 just under. So, I mean, we've lost a lot of hunters, right? Resident hunters going to other states. You would think if, you know, just, just playing with numbers here, you would think that the decrease 
in hunter numbers in that state. So like 20 years ago, there was 300,000 uh, more than there is now, roughly, give or take. Yep. Yep. That that would increase the quality of the deer that are being shot every year. Um, but yeah. everybody I talk to from Michigan says, well, that's not the case. You know, all I see is dinks and, you know, two-year-olds. It, and it, it is depending on where you go. Now, you go north of where I'm at, and that's when, you know, the up north, you know, the big state land here on National Forest and whatnot. And it is so hard to kill big deer up there, man. There's just, you know, there's no nutrition. There's no oaks. It's just cedar swamp. It's just, just nasty stuff. And, uh, you know, so you can't you can't really do it there. Um, you know, you're definitely killing your bigger deer down south for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, let's see. I had another question I wanted to ask you. Um but I, it, it slipped my mind at this time. So you, you come from a hunting family, I, I take it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, going, man, uh, four years old was the first time I ever sat with him. Um, he made a, took a sheet of, of plywood and made a four by eight sheet, you know, and put it up in the tree about 30 foot. And I would just follow up. He'd, you know, I'd go up yeah. first, he'd follow behind me and strap me in. And, uh, so yeah, I was hooked ever since then. Um, and then I was, I was fortunate around the age of 10, we moved out, uh, farmland, you know, um, just outside of town and I was able to go hunt in my backyard. So every single day, that's what I was doing, you know, during deer season. And I had no friends, nobody was out there. I had a three wheeler and I just go have fun, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, so I've definitely spent, you know, uh, a lot of time out in the woods compared to most people for sure. Yeah. I, f- I remember that question I was going to ask you. So Michigan is a two buck state, right? And when you say two bucks, yeah. you can kill, how's that breakdown? What's that breakdown? So now they just went to, they're trying to implement and they have been kind of like a QDM. So you can do, depending if you want a one buck, you can buy one tag and kill any deer, any, any size, spike, four point, any, any, any antler deer. Then if you buy your combo tag, which most people do, you're, you can shoot in any order. Your one buck is your restricted tag has got to be four points or more on one side. Okay. Um, so you can shoot that first, you can shoot that second, you know, it doesn't matter. Um, any weapon in that order, but that's, uh, yep. Any weapon. Yep. Yep. And then of course your, your does like right now, as far as your does, I mean, we're down here in the Southern part, we're unlimited doe tags. You can buy five doe tags a day, every, every single day. And just, yeah. you know, which needs to be done. There's a lot of deer up here. But. Yeah. Okay. And the, the reason I, I wanted to, I wanted to lead with that is, you know, Iowa is a two buck state too. Like if you're an archer, you can get a tag for archery and then you can get a gun tag, right? Which can be a muzzleloader tag, a shotgun tag, right? So technically I can shoot two bucks if I wanted to. And then depending on the county and the quota, I can, I can shoot does as long as there's tags available. Now, once that quota runs out, no more, no more uh, does can be killed. But so can you hunt, can you kill more? You can only kill two two bucks in uh that's, okay all right but yeah. it's just still a population thing right i mean i the reason i was asking is because i thought that maybe it was you could kill two archery bucks or you can kill two um you know you can get one in gun season two or you can get two in gun season yeah. and one archery so you could actually kill three bucks no no like no. no you can only kill two bucks you can kill two with archery you can kill one with the bow or uh, one with the bow one with a gun one with a muzzleloader and a bow i mean it doesn't matter right um you know um our archery season because crossbows just became legalized you know statewide there a couple of years ago so guys we're setting record number of bow kills because all the guys that were gun hunting are now bow hunting and they're killing their deer then like 
I think last year we killed almost 55,000 bucks in bow season, which is just unheard of, you know, um, before. So, but yeah, yeah. You can, you can switch it up either method or however you want to do okay. it. You know? All right. Um, cool. Do you think that, cause f- from what I understand, uh, and going back in history and, and maybe this, you know, I have done zero research when I say this, I heard that when states like Iowa got their deer herd introduced to them, they pulled out of Wisconsin and Michigan to come and populate some of that. Iowa has some really good genetics, which means that that genetic strain leads back to those places. We all know, we all know Wisconsin has great genetics as well, but Michigan, uh, I think they use some of their uh, deer herd to populate some of the southern states as well if i'm not mistaken and yeah so you would think that if you would let some of these deer get a little bigger a little age on them that they would turn into the same caliber of deer that are in wisconsin and iowa yeah yeah you're absolutely correct uh like i know kentucky was another big one that was michigan introduced um down there that's the one um yeah yep you know in their uh, Michigan is, is, is a traditional, it's, it's just a hunting heritage state. It's, That's I mean, right. our gun season is always November 15th, you know, and, and the state has always been, you know, you can bait deer and you can, you know, you kill what you kill. I mean, a buck is a buck. You have your buck poles at your bars and everything like that. I mean, that's just what it was. I mean, right. um, so to say that we can't grow big deer, I mean, we're getting better. Um, there's definitely some bigger deer getting killed year after year, you know, um, I think last year there was a couple boomers that were, that were entered, uh, you know, down South, um, so I can't say that we can't do it, but the biggest problem I think, and this is just my personal opinion, is everybody you talk to is the, the typical, well, if I don't kill it, somebody else will. Yeah. You know, and, you know, if people can just get away from that mindset, if you want to kill big deer, just you got to do your part and let them go, you know, yeah. if that's what you want. Now, I know out in the sum, there's a big, there's a five county QDM out there, and they've been implementing it for years, and they just tried to pass it where um, one, your second deer, it had to be four points for your first deer on one side and five points on a second, which... It passed by like 61% of the votes, but they say now popular majority is 67%. But the point I'm getting to is you vote in a thumb, saying like weren't here in and out there, dude, there are some freaking giants killed out there year after year after year because of what they're doing. Right. You know, um, they got one buck pole, dude. I'm telling you, it looks like you just come out of Iowa. I mean, it's just, just some hogs on there, 140s, 150s, 160s, some 170s even, you know. Right, right. But And that's, you know, it's tough because that – that conversation, you know, if I don't shoot it, my, you know, my neighbor will, that's been going on since the dawn of hunting, right? As far as you right. know, uh, what we do currently, like, but I don't know. I am a huge advocate for, dude, if you want to go out and hunt and kill a spike, go kill, go kill a spike. If that, if that's what gets you outside to hunt, if that's what you're killing to introduce a new hunter, if that's what you're killing and, and getting a meat. So it's kind of one of those things where, man, we would all love to see big deer, but at the same time, we would all love to still hunt. And if you start putting restrictions on what you can and can't shoot, um, people are, you know, in, once you start putting restrictions on anything, it's just human nature to say, well, I don't want to put up with that shit anymore. I'm just not going to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a, do you want big antlers or do you want more hunters? Right. Right. Well, and that's, you know, again, implementing the crossbows to try to get more people out, but it it had, it did a reverse effect. Like I said, it just took your gun hunters 
and and put them into bow season and now they're you're still not drawn you know you're you're not drawn an outside community of people that never hunted into hunting right um you know and like the the baiting is huge right now like like to your point i mean like you know all the guy wants to do is throw some bait down and kill a deer and now you just did this no baiting because of cwd and it's like dude we are going to lose hunters left and right because i mean how are you supposed to go up into a six thousand acre national forest now i'm not saying it can't be done but to guys that have baited their whole entire life you know i mean what are they going to do how you know they don't know how to go out and kill a big deer i mean i don't mean it in a mean way to them by any means but you're right i mean it's just that's what it is it's the nature of the beast you know yeah you're right man you're right you take you take a law that's been in place for you know a long time and then you you chop that instantly and say well no baiting it's gonna like people i mean i'm not gonna sit here and say baiting is easy or not because i've never hunted in a state or in a scenario where you could bait other than uh, one of my Texas trips. And I, that was like an outside correlator, right? I mean, it wasn't, it, it didn't, to me, it really didn't count because it was high fence or whatever, but like some of these people, that's just what they do. The parcels are so small that if they want to see deer on their property, they have to bait because if they don't, well, they know their neighbor's baiting and right. the, the deer are going to go where the easiest food source is. And that's typically a big fat corn pile. Yeah, you're absolutely correct, man. So you nailed it right on the head there. Oh, yeah, it's tough. Uh, it's definitely it's definitely tough when you're trying to change things for the better. And I I I just don't think that people really know what is what is the best way to manage a deer herd. You know, every every state does something a little bit different, right? In Iowa, we try to do one thing, and we have what you know probably a hundred to two hundred, maybe even three hundred thousand less hunters than Michigan. Uh, come through our state every single year and you know it's just different it's different for every state and then you know one thing that I really hate is when uh, a group of people or a person says yeah our DNR officers don't know shit about the deer herd and well buddy who's going to manage it you right you going to manage it who's going to because in I know in Iowa there are certain counties up here where the the first day august 15th the first day that you can go buy a deer tag all the doe tags are sold out in that county for that quota that means some people don't get doe tags um and the county that i live in is one of them but i can go drive through some of these residential areas and count hundreds of deer in a night and so they're they're going on the law of averages when you know they get sold and a guy's going to go out to uh, a farm. There's going to be a lower population of deer than there are, than there are in the city. And I don't know. It, n- no one really knows is what I'm going to say. There's no, there, I think no. science and research are going to tell the story. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you know, um, so I've hunted in Iowa the last couple of years. I draw a second gun and I hunt down in uh, Mahaska County, Mahaska County over by Oskaloosa, New mm-hmm. Sharon, over that area. Yep. Um, and, and I definitely, we're just outside of, of a big refuge over there, big state land, uh, refuge, a couple thousand acres. And I know it's a three mile by three mile section. And I know the DNR, um, did a flyover and they were saying that there was like 3000 deer that they hit with infrared at nighttime in a three mile by three mile. And I'm like, I'm like, what? But it's year after year after year. I keep talking to the same people and that's what they're saying back on your doe county like it's it's hard to get a, a doe tag over there well these i mean i guess it is in a day and i guess i'm gonna need to take but that's a lot of freaking deer and i guess that's 
I don't know. My point is, like you're saying, how are you going to find out averages and, and what are right. you going to do with science, I guess. But yeah. Yeah. Um, but as, as far as, is trying to regulate like, you know, hunting Kentucky, that's kind of why I left Michigan. I still hunt Michigan, but I kind of, for the last nine seasons, I've been going down there and I love, I think it's the best thing ever. Their county by county telecheck system. I mean, that's, you kill a buck and you got to telecheck it in that. That's really the only way that you could do a concrete scientific, you know, right. um, we know, you know what I'm saying? Iowa does you know, the same and, thing. And each, we have a, you know, we have the statewide call in off the tag, right? So we yep. have to call in, we have to say yep. whether it was a buck, whether it was a doe, and then they give the, the code that's on the tag. And then that lets them know that, Hey, this tag was filled or, and then what County it was filled in and all, you know, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yep, absolutely. Let me ask you this question: uh, Living in Michigan all those years, and you know, a lot of guys they go out and they've never experienced hunting in a a different state, right? They they just hear stories about Iowa, and they hear stories about maybe Ohio or Kentucky or, or Kansas or Illinois or whatever, but they they never get to experience it. Hunting all those years in Michigan was Kentucky your first out of state experience? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so and, talk to me about what that what that experience was like the first time you jumped the border and headed to a different state. Uh man, I mean, so we get there um in my very so what it is is where where we hunt where our big primary farm that we got is 700 acres and it's it's everything. It's big timber in the north, it's got agriculture on it, it's got some creek bottoms, draws, fingers, I mean, CRP, you name it, it's got everything. And the first time we, I mean, once I, it's, it's at the start of the Appalachian Mountains. I'm in the central eastern part of Kentucky, uh, just outside of Moorhead. And I mean, like, I'll be honest, holy shit was the first thing that I said. Like, right. I have, I'm not used to hunting farmland. I'm not used to, you know, big, I'm used to cedar swamps and like back home or it's a cattail marsh. So, I mean, I didn't know what to expect. And I was actually kind of like, wow, this sucks. I didn't because I didn't know how to hunt it. I had no idea how to hunt. It. Like yeah, you like you say you 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 see things and read things, but I didn't I didn't have a clue. So then the second year I went down there, I started getting more of a grip on it. And the third time, but I mean it was it was an eye opener for sure. Just like wow, <laughs> wow. What was it? What uh, was it about that? Just the size of the bucks, the number of deer, the a different terrain, or was it kind of a combination of all those things that made the experience I guess superior to to Michigan? So, well, for starters, the western side of Kentucky is all flatland, mostly flatland. The eastern side, like I said, where the Appalachians come in. Now, I'm not talking 10,000, you know, feet up like Colorado and that, you know, but it's it's big. I mean, it's it's legit. A lot of guys, a lot of a lot of guys from out of state call mountains. So you come into this and you look at these steep, you know, 500 foot climbs you got to make, uh, and they're just like, there's no way a deer can live up there. There's no way. I kind of said the same thing. You know, um, until you get up there, you're like, holy shit, you know, deer can actually climb this and they, this is where they live. They live on the top. So yeah, I mean, the terrain feature for sure, trying to learn. I never, I never knew what a bench was or a saddle or, you know, I never did that, you know, until there, but then the deer, yeah, for sure. Like the doe, they're a lot smaller deer, but the horns are just, I mean, literally at any point I tell people, you never know when that next booner is going to walk around that. I mean, they're on that tree. It's just, you never know because it, I mean, it's just such a lush state with big white tails. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. So the bodies in Kentucky are just a little bit smaller than Michigan. I would say so. I mean, if you're trying to shoot a doe the first couple of years, I had a hard time trying to kill, you know, after I filled my buck tag, I'd kill my doe. Cause you get one buck and well, they changed the doe, but you get one buck and one doe with your general tag. And 
I didn't really want to shoot one because I'm like, man, you know, I don't want to shoot a small deer thinking it's a or a big deer thing, you know, and it's a small deer. Um, but the horns are just just phenomenal, man. I mean, they they really they really did a, a good job managing, I think, in my opinion. But yeah. So, uh, how long did it take you? Um, I mean, were you were you successful automatically when you started making that trip to Kentucky every single year, or, or did? Because it sounds to me like the terrain difference. Like it's awesome that you got the, uh, you know, you ran into all these new deer, but the 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 terrain difference gave you a little bit of a um, a learning curve that you had to overcome. Dude, you have no idea. Uh, yeah, um, I mean, I listen to the guy that I work for now, uh, Darren. Um, I listen to a lot of what he had to say because he's obviously lived down there and you know just do this, do that. But I tell you what really helped me out. Um, there was a book I read. He gave me his book. It was called Mapping Trophy Box. It was about um, topos, how to read a topo map, topographical, you know, how to read train features and whatnot. Um, and that that was definitely huge. But to your point about was I successful? Yeah. The first year I was there, um, I mean, I killed a decent. He was like 120 inch. Uh, I actually killed that deer in a lightning storm, thunder and lightning, um, second to last day. So that was kind of cool. But he wasn't no giant, but he was a big frame eight point, you know. Yep. Um, I had success on the second year. Um, you know, actually the first year that i was there i kept seeing his deer coming out of a out of an inside corner and which i never knew what an inside corner was till then i'm like you know gotta hang the stand there and the next year i come down to hunt and i did i was doing a two-day early muzzle loader in october later on like the third weekend and then i was gonna bow hunt and so they put a stand up there and the very first day i sat it i killed at like 10 30 in the morning i killed this beautiful 140 inch nine point and uh so now that we call that stan miller time because that's obviously my last name but um, so that, that was kind of cool. You know, um, I've had only one year did I ever have not encounter or a shooter. And I say shooter, I'm talking 120, you know, mid twenties, you know, yeah. um, because EH, EHD wiped us out like three years ago. Dude. It just absolutely devastated the deer herd. Um, so that was the only year that I've not had a successful, you know, where I did not see a good rack buck in the woods, you know? Gotcha. Right. Gotcha. And so, but as far as the learning experience, like the learning curve, it just took you a handful of years to really get into the flow of how to hunt that farm in Kentucky. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, going out and doing it. Um, just going with going, like I said, going with the owner and show me, and then he would kind of let me on my own. Once I, once we decided I was going to start helping guide and, and just, uh, yeah, just picking it up on my own, going for a walk on tracks and, and like I said, finding the benches and the saddles and different things. And, that was the biggest thing. Yeah. Just, just all, yeah, let's okay. just do it and get out and doing it yourself, you know? So let's say some, and that now it's been what, nine years since you've been hunting Kentucky? Yeah, about yeah, eight, nine years. Yeah. Okay. So I want you to give advice to maybe somebody who's listening right now and let's just get, let's just start it with general right? Give, give somebody who is going to take their first out of state hunt this year, or maybe this is their, they, they've done an out of state hunt and they didn't find success when it comes to scouting, when it comes to locating deer terrain, whatever, um, give somebody some advice on how to make their out of state hunt successful. Uh, I mean, if you're going to start with your topo mass, with, I mean, depending if, I mean, we talking do it your state, I mean, do it yourself. Are you talking going with an outfitter? I mean, what, no, I mean, no, no, no. I it, can say, I mean, do it yourself. Do it yourself. Yeah. Uh, don't overlook, don't like, don't, don't be intimidated first. I mean, cause you look at some of the state land they got out there. And like I said, you're talking five, 600 foot straight up. And I mean, you're, 
you know, you're walking your long johns and you're walking up backpacking everything in, you get to the top. I mean, you're sweating and don't overlook, don't be intimidated first off, you know? And then I've always tell people, you know, um, some people, you got, you got to be able to see a lot of people like to see, especially from like Michigan, they want to be able, when they got a rifle and they want to, you know, see 300 yards. I could not tell you how many times that we've had clients kill deer and with a rifle in both spots, you know, just hunt them small benches and up saddles, you know? Um, and once you learn what it is, there, I mean, there's a reason that deer are coming out there. I mean, and I've killed more, I have to say bigger bucks where there was less buck sign just because there's no rubs and there's no scrapes does not mean that they're not traveling, you know? Um, I guess that's that kind of, I mean, I don't know if I answered your question or not, but the intimidation part of it, just don't be intimidated. Just do it, you know? Right. I think a lot of people, and this is what I found myself doing when I first found out I was going to go to Colorado on this elk hunt that I, I got coming up in a handful of weeks, I got intimidated and I trained hard and I shot my bow and all this stuff. But until you go and you experience it for the first time, I just understood that my expectations were so low that, you know, and based off statistics, I knew I was going to eat my tag. And even on this mule deer hunt that I'm getting ready to go on, there is a good chance. This is a a 100% spot and stock in wide open country that I'm going to have to use terrain features to hide myself when moving and a lot of glassing. So it's completely different than anything that I've ever done in Iowa, right? So, So I just go in with these ultra low expectations um, on these first couple hunts and just be a sponge and absorb information and absorb how the animals move and just, you know, be cognizant of what I did wrong and what I can do better the next time, because I'm going to go do these hunts again. I, you know, I don't want to just do a, you know, a one and done state, you know, one and done thing. Now going back to whitetails, if I was to take a, you know, a whitetail hunt, on a different state, I would do, I would probably start things out the same way that I always hunt. And I think that's one thing that, uh, people forget is you, you, you don't need to do something exactly like somebody else does it. Take the principles from what you're currently doing and apply them to the new scenario or the new terrain or state or whatever and then just start tweaking them a little bit and then you'll find your groove in that state as well yeah absolutely for sure dude that's that's the biggest thing and also you know like you say soak it up but with your expectations don't think that and i did this too on one one track land i had you know it wasn't hundred for five years and i'm like man there's some giants i know there's some giants in here and i passed this mid 120s probably low 30s 10 point the second day yeah and it was the dumbest thing i did because my expectations were so high and it's like you know i mean that's i mean that's a respectable deer and all that you know i mean it doesn't really matter where you go i mean iowa kentucky michigan wherever and and don't set your sights on killing the biggest deer and trying to i don't know be a hero i guess you know oh, just yeah. uh you know, if you that's like a real thing, it, you know, that's a real thing. I, I was talking to a guy on, he drew an Iowa tag and I was talking to him on Facebook. This was I mean, two weeks ago. And he, I, he, he told me he drew Iowa and I was like, Hey, congrats, congrats, man. You're going to have a blast. And then he kind of told me where he was hunting. And I'm just like, yeah, that's You know, it's a great part of the state. Really. Most of Iowa is. And he, and I said, what's your goal? You know, I, I always ask this question going into, uh, conversation with someone who's hunting Iowa for the first time. And they're like, man, I'd love to shoot a 150. I'd love to shoot a 160. I'm just like, I would love 
to shoot a 150. I would love to shoot a 160. Um, and that's just something that doesn't happen even in Iowa. Right. I mean, yeah, there's big deer in Iowa. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time, the average is not, the average is going to be higher than other States of bucks that get shot. But I'm telling you, man, um, expectations is a huge thing. And I think if you just like, if people relax and they not necessarily lower their, lower their expectations, because if you have a goal, right, let's say you've been doing this for a long time. Like for me, my goal is to shoot an equal or, or, or bigger deer, uh, you know, like a four-year-old, five-year-old, six-year-old, whatever, um, this upcoming year. So I want to match or exceed my last year's buck. Um, I, you know, I have that access to do that, but if you're going, like if I was going into Illinois or if I was going into Kentucky or, you know, Nebraska or wherever, I I would have much lower expectations than I would if I was hunting in Iowa, you know, obviously for many reasons, but at the same time, it's just brand new. And I think if, if guys are passing on opportunities, they're, they're just, I don't know, there's, there's something about that, that I, I don't understand. Well, especially, yeah, when you, when you're traveling, like for me, you know, I go down there quite a bit, um, with the guiding part of it when clients come in and different things and help them out. Um, so I'll I'll get to that too. But like you, I tried to tell people you have six or seven days to get Mm -hmm. it done in a state you really know nothing about. So, I mean, in, 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 you know, I just ran in, uh, Casey Kiefer was at Cabela's here in our hometown uh, last week and I was BSing with him and, and we were talking about deer size and we got into the 120s and I said, dude, a one, 120 inch deer, that's a lot of bone on a deer. And people, they, they see the hype on TV and different things. And, you know, and it's like, man, if, if you can go and consistently kill 120s every year, you're doing something good or 130s. But right. again, you know, you have seven, you have seven days and we have a lot of clients that'll come in from, you know, a lot of them are from Michigan, obviously. Um, some people I meet and hear what I do and Hey, you know, and so I, I get them in contact and, and whatnot. But like, we have a lot of guys down there that have, I don't mean this in a bad way, but you know, they're, they hunt state land and they've, I mean, the biggest deer they've killed is 90 inches. And that's, you know, that's, it is what it is. And they come down here and they kill a hundred inch deer and they're just tickled pink. And it's like, dude, that's awesome. Yeah. That's what you did. You wanted to come down here and you wanted to kill your biggest deer of your life. That is, that is awesome, dude. Kudos, you know? Right. Um, it ain't, it ain't always inches, you know, it's experience. Absolutely. 100%. And that's, that's how I try to live my, I'm, I'm okay with eating a tag if the experience I have along the way is worth it. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, yep. I don't know. I, I got a buck this year that I might dedicate an entire season to. I'm not 100% sure yet if I want to do that or not. But if I go out and I have some encounters with some really good deer and I decide not to shoot them and I get my my freezer full of doe meat like I want to, that's like almost one of the top goals this year is to just get a ton of deer meat. Uh, because I don't know if I even mentioned this on the podcast. I opened my door what, two months ago. I think it was late June and our recycling bin is right next to the plug-in for the, uh, for the deep freeze. And I threw a piece of cardboard out, not thinking anything of it. I come back out like three or four days later and that piece of cardboard knocked the plug out of my deep freeze and all that meat uh, I had like oh, no. 40 pounds of deer meat left that got thawed out and it stunk. And I was just like, Oh man. So I'm going on a doe killing mission this year to get some more burger and some sticks and uh, steaks and whatnot for the family. And, and I think along the way I can do that and still go out and try to kill a, a you know, a good, a, you know, a good buck in out of the mix. And 
I don't know. I, again, it's the experience of, of the whole thing. Now, yeah. I want to. You keep talking about this farm, right? You ha, it's a, like a seven hundred acre farm. Is it your fa- a family farm, or is this something that you guys lease to to outfit on? No, no. So, so the guy that I work for, like I said, it's it's, it's he leases it from okay. the owner down there, and he's had it for almost since I've been going on there. I'm gonna say ten years, eleven years. Okay. Him and, you know, two of his brothers. And then um, he does outfitting. We have different tracks of land and he outfits the semi-guided hunts, fully guided hunts, et cetera. But like this, this farm is, it's our big farm. It's our, you know, we try to establish 130 inch, you know, like this is like, you know, this is just a farm. I mean, it's it, it's, it's everything that you want. I mean, like, you know, it's kind of, you know, when you're going out picking a, a engagement ring for your wife, you want the best one. Like, you know, you're going to be, this is it. Like you're, you're marrying this you know, like this, it's just, it's the land you put your heart and soul into it. It's awesome, dude. And, uh, right. it's just our big farm where we, we grow a lot of big deer. And, uh, I think I can't say we grow, I mean, they grow, you know? Um, but yeah. Uh, so do you trade, cameras actually. do you trade your time down there for hunt to be able to hunt it? Um, yeah, yeah. That's kind of the, I was getting the discounted rate. So yeah. when I took this job at the road commission, um, I have a lot of time off. Like I almost have the whole month of November I take off. So I called him up and that's how we got this going. I said, Hey man, I've been with you for a few years. If you need some help. Absolutely. So we started out, I did a discounted thing and then, uh, basically it turned into, you know, yeah, you come help me set these different tracks up, you know, some are hundred acres, some are 400, some are whatever we have. Um, and, and I'll, I'll, you know, clients come first. That's the big thing. You know, your clients will come first and then, you know, you get to hunt or whatever. So, a lot of times what I'll do is I'll, uh, I'll be taking guy, like you come down and hunt and I'll take you out to your stand and then I'll keep moseying on the way and I'll, I'll do hunting myself, you know, but I'm never, never going to put myself before you or anybody else, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but this had started, he does a lot of, uh, leasing land. I mean, he's got like a hundred different tracks that he leases out, you know? So it's kind of went from that to turn into the, to the hunt hunting business, but. Right. Um, right. Yeah. So you, you guide, right? So a guy comes in and, and, um, from an out of state, he's bought a package with this outfitter and the outfitter says, okay, your guide is going to be Bob and Bob, your job is to do what throughout the week that these guys are there. Well, we'll backtrack a little bit, uh, guide loosely. Like we don't do no spot and stalk or nothing like that. Like, right. like I said, I, when I, when I say guide, like, yeah, I do have my guide license and all that, but I, you know, like I said, I set the farms up. And it's a small, it's a very small, like I said, it's a little, just a little family owned. So it ain't like a big outfit where like 30 people come through. No, we may take like, say 10 semi-guided um, and then the fully guided. Like, so the fully guided, yeah. So four guys, we never try to take no more than a group of four. And really, realistically, only four or five hunt the farm, period, you know, on, on the big farm. So yeah, you, you know, Dan Johnson comes in, you and your brother come in or whatever. And there's me and the owner. And then, yeah, we each kind of, yeah, I'm going to work with you. You know, he's going to work with him. I mean, hey, this is, what, what are your thoughts? We bounce our thoughts around, and, you know, and then I'll get to feel you out. Hey, Dan, what do you like? I mean, are you, uh, you want to look over a soybean field or do you want to get up in the big timber? Like, like what, what do you like? Like, what gets you going? And then you tell me, and then we'll kind of go off of that. You know, right. like, I'm not just going to go and, you know, set you somewhere when, you know what I mean? You're a timber hunter and you're looking over 300 acres of, of a cut cornfield. If that's not your style, I'm not going to do that. I want to make you happy and you have a good time. You know. Right. So when a guy comes in, and, and this is one thing that I've always been curious about how outfitters work, right? So I, I, I've paid for the package or I've paid for the hunt. I walk in 
and they say, you know, what do you want? Well, shit, I want the biggest buck there is. I want, I want, I want to be able to have an encounter with the biggest buck that you guys have on trail camera. Right. Is that, is that a realistic, uh, um, is that realistic for guys to say when they come to an outfitter or how does that work where you like, do you guys share trail camera pictures with your clients? Do you say like, how's that, how's that communication work? Yeah, nothing is, nothing is hidden by no means. I mean, we're not going to do that. We're not going to play that, you know, we're not going to save tree stands and best spots. Like we want everybody to have the the equal opportunity, but yeah, well, the problem that we have is a lot of people will start showing trail camera pictures. Like, yeah, we'll get to BS and Hey, what's the biggest deal you killed, you know, um, et cetera, et cetera. So we start showing these pictures of these one twenties, one thirties, sometimes even a one forty. And the guy's like, no, I'm not going to shoot it. I'm not going to shoot it. And kind of like a conversation earlier, I look at him like, well, what do you expect? I'm like, oh, that's a 140 inch deer, dude. Like that's, that's a good deer, you know? So I'm never, I can never tell you, Hey, you know, you can't kill this. You can't kill that. I mean, you'll know when you see the deer, um, but no, we've never really had anybody come in and say, Hey, this, this is what I want. This is what I want to go after. I mean, some guys like, you know, myself last year, I was a one fifty year bus guy, you know, I mean, I had it and luckily I got it done in Iowa, but, um, but no, uh, the biggest deer that we have killed, uh, was a one ninety three, the typical, uh, one eighty nine, and he had to drop time. So he's one ninety three girls, the typical, wow. um, got, got a one sixty three, one sixty five. But a lot of the deer that like that are killed are are one forties, one forties though, one mid fifties probably. Right. Okay. You know, but. So, and I'm sorry, I'm asking all these questions about outfitting no. because I I got a. I've been collecting preference points for the state of Wyoming for a variety of different animals. And with, when I, somehow I'm starting to get these little catalogs in the mail, uh, like outfitting catalogs of all the different outfitters in Wyoming. And, uh, they know they, they run through the price and I have some friends who are outfitters and whatnot. So, and I had an experience where I went down to an outfitter in Texas. Uh, of course this was covered by the people who invited me. But when my stepdad went on a hunt, he, he, you know, we got the package, right? And then while you're there, what, and this is one thing that I didn't know you, you, it's, you don't, I guess you don't have to, but it's encouraged to tip the cook and the guide. And I don't know if there's anybody else there that you're supposed to tip, but is that, is that common practice with it when you, when you get an outfitter? Uh, I mean, when I go on hunts and different things, when I travel, I mean, yeah, I will always tip whoever is guiding me, but I've never went anywhere where there was a cook. We don't have a cook. Um, and, and I'll backtrack too, as far as this, and I'll answer your question. We have a right off the exit about, about 10 minutes from the farm is a, is a comfort in. So we have 50% off discounted rates for all of our guests. So oh, gotcha. when you come in there, okay. So like, we don't have like a big lodge or anything like that. Like I said, it, it's a small, it's a, it's a more of a personable, well, I mean, I'm saying, trying to say it, you know, personal experience, like, uh, it ain't some big fancy house and with a cook and all that, like, gotcha. it's, you know, you're going to sleep at a hotel like us. I stay there. I stay at the hotel too. And a lot of times you'll ride to camp with me or I'll come pick you up if I'm staying somewhere different or, you know, so you'll ride okay. with me out. And different so it's things. just so a we small can, time you know, thing. That's right. Gotcha. Right, okay. Right. And, uh, yeah, like, like I said, we're more less clients to try to get the better experience, you know, um, you know, type thing. But as far as yours, yeah, I mean, I've never had to tip a cook, but I've definitely tipped my guide, you know, for sure, you know. Um, so yeah, do, know, do you get tipped? Question. Do you get tipped on, uh, on your I have, guiding? Yeah. I, I've i had people offer, um, both of us, but I, I, I won't accept it because that's not, I'm not in it for that. I'm in it for, you know, 
literally, I mean, as cliche as it sounds, I mean, when you, when the smile on your face and your reaction when you just killed your biggest deer, dude, I mean, it, it is rewarding. It really is. And that's, yeah. I'm not, I'm not in it for the money or this or that. I'm in it just to go hunting and you're hunting buddies. You're not a client, you know, I mean, right. you're, you're, a, you're a friend now. I mean, you know, realistically. But. Gotcha. So it's almost like the people that you're bringing in your, are, are are they paying on this farm that specifically that you hunt? They're almost paying just to help get the le like the lease price down, so you and a couple other guys can hunt it as well. So it's almost like you're bringing in an additional person in on the lease, almost in in on the lease, almost. Uh, to to a degree, yeah, okay, yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know, I don't get into the the finances too much, but like. This, this big 700 acre farm, like I actually pay now myself. Like I, I'll still help clients, but like, I know I've hunted it enough. And I mean, I've had success on many different tracks of land there, but like, I just, I know what I'm going for now. You know, um, I'm, I'm not gonna, you know, I've killed all these big deer by no means, but I just, I know my personal goals. And so I pay in on it because I want to hunt these big deer, you know, the, yep. to try to have a minimum on it, you know? Yep. Absolutely. But Cool, man. Uh, all right. So kind of switching gears here a second um you just came off a shotgun season in iowa where you took your biggest buck yeah right uh, yep. was, uh was yeah. this off of a leased property or off of a an outfitter too or is this kind of like a public land deal no this was um he does he runs an outfitter for pheasants he's real big into pheasants this guy um and so he does that, and then he does a couple deer hunts. He's got his own property. He's got a beautiful little cabin on it. You know, he's got, I don't know, 300 acres maybe, and it sits right across the street from the public. So um, we do pay him to go down there. And, uh, well, I'll just tell I mean, like, we pay 1500 bucks, and we, we take second shotgun season when we draw, and it's just me and my old man. Uh, we go down there, and basically he's got a few stands hung up. I mean, we, you know, we do this, we do that, but basically the, when the pressure comes on opening day, that second gun season, I mean, you know how it is. Everybody's running the bush and the deer flock out of this public land and they come into the cross the road and, and we're the first, the very first section these deer come into. So it's just nuts, man. It is awesome. Awesome. But, uh, you were able to uh, connect on a, a really good one, huh? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, the first time that we went down two years ago, just, man, the weather was not cooperating. And, you know, he's like, you need a North wind, you need this. And we got a North wind in one day. We've seen a lot of deer, but, um, at that point four years ago, that's when I was trying to get my personal best, you know, talk about expectations earlier. And, and I said, I'm killing one fifties or, or bust. That's what I was doing. So I've been doing it for the last three years, you know? Um, so it was, it was a good time, but, uh, getting to two years ago um or to last year i wanted to go in and set the same sets i'm like you know what i'm not doing anything different my gut's telling me to keep hunting these stands doing what i was doing i just we had bad weather you know just go with your intuition and uh the first opening morning yeah i was like i don't know half hour after daybreak shooting light or whatever and i had a 10 point and this buck come in and i don't know man he just i mean i thought honest to god i thought he was the 130s not even gonna lie and uh, he just he had i called him chiquita i mean he was <laughs> you know his mass was four and a half inches and i mean he had 11 inch twos and 10 inch threes and i'm just like my god i just i just i knew it was him and yeah so i got lucky and was able to hammer down but here's the funny part so i watched him for probably 10 minutes and they were only 50 yards away but they were just on this oak ridge and I watched him once I, I'm like, yep, once I was able to shoot. So I rolled him right there. And when he went backwards, he shed his antlers, right? So I knew I could see in the scope he had a broken left leg, but I didn't know why. I knew he was hobbling on it. I could see it dangling. So 
I flip him and I'm looking at him in the scope and I see he dropped right there. And I'm like, man, did I just shoot a doe or something? Like I, I couldn't figure it out. So I get down, I walk over there and at the base of the tree, there's both of his horns. I'm like, you've got to be oh shitting my, me. What, like, well, so what had happened was the first, I'm thinking it was the first gun season. Somebody shot him in the shoulder with a shotgun and it was all infected and gangrene. And obviously, you know, what happens with a traumatic injury like that. Right. They'll shed their horns. So, yeah. So, um, yeah, that was a lot of I've luck heard, at it, but it I've worked. I've heard stories like that, man. A guy shooting bucks, and they go to drag him out of the woods during that, that second shotgun season, and pop, pop, off come the antlers. Yep. Yep, yep. So I, I put the antlers back. I took a stick and held his head up and put the, you know, the way the pedicles are, you know. I mean, right. they, they only sit a certain way. So, you know, I got a couple good hero shots in and stuff. But, yeah, he turned out, uh, he was an 11-point. Um, as an 8-pointer, he was 147 inches. But with all of his other junk, uh, he was hundred and just broke 150. So, oh, awesome. Uh, Great buck, yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. Great yeah. buck. Yep. And I was definitely, definitely pumped. Awesome. Well, man, uh, we're winding down on time here. I uh, just want to say thank you very much, Bob, for taking time out of your day and uh, hopping on and BSing with us for a little while. Uh, appreciate it. Good luck across the board. Let's see, you're hunting Michigan, obviously. You're hunting Kentucky again, obviously. Any other any other trips this year? Uh, nope, just those two, and then next year I'll be back to Iowa. So. Nice. Well, uh, good luck. Yeah, good yeah. luck up on the upcoming season, man. Yeah, yeah, you too. Thanks for having me, man, and, and hopefully I was able to answer your questions, buddy. Rock on and uh, shoot straight this year. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, another episode in the books. Huge shout-out to Bob for taking time out of his day to hop on and chit-chat with us. Huge shout-out to all of you for taking time to download and actively listen to this podcast, man. I really appreciate it. If you haven't already, please go to Instagram and Facebook and like the Sportsman's Nation and like the Nine Finger Chronicles pages um, and share this podcast with your friends, man. Uh, I, I really want this uh, community to grow and uh, one way to do it is to have a little help from you guys. Go to iTunes, leave a review or subscribe, right? Uh, let everybody know what you think of this. If, uh, you know, if you think I'm a dipshit and you hate this podcast, I, I suggest you don't leave a review. I would really like that. Maybe DM me and we can talk about it but go leave a five-star review and let everybody know how awesome this podcast is and uh huge shout out to all the partners of this uh, podcast we got our title sponsor vortex optics go to vortexoptics.com lone wolf portable tree stands ripcord arrow rest wasp broadheads i cannot wait to put a broadhead through an elk hopefully this year uh ozonic scent elimination and prime bows you heard that commercial earlier uh other than that gentlemen ladies too if you're gonna be in a tree please wear your damn safety harness have a good weekend and week and everything else